It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. It is our Get You to the Weekend. And uh, TGIF, we made it an edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. A football Friday version. Pirates at uh, Florida Atlantic. We'll get into all of that. We'll talk uh, ECU basketball coming up tomorrow and more. But right now, uh, we're talking about probably the most important thing going on right now. I think in college athletics, and it is NIL, how to deal with the uh, name, image, and likeness, and uh, where ECU relates to that. Team Boneyard has been started. They've done a great work. Uh, they've done great work, but still a lot more has to be done, folks. And uh, it's the world we're in now. A uh, real pleasure to talk to Matt Slate. He is uh, a gentleman who uh, is now on the Team Boneyard board. He also is uh, on the board of directors for the ECU Foundation. He is a pirate through and through. And uh, Matt, here's what Matt did. Matt, hello to you, by the way. Welcome to the Patrick Johnson Show. It's great to have you. I got uh, I got something I got to tell you here, but hello to you first. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate uh, you having us on and uh, taking the time to do this stuff. But it's great to be here. Matt paved the way. See, Matt graduated in 96. I went to, started at ECU in 96, 97. So he actually opened all the doors. that, And I just followed him. That's basically what I did was... Actually, I didn't. I wish I'd followed Matt. I would be maybe better off. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I saw that, and I said, well, there's a guy who graduated about the time I was coming in. So uh, so there you yeah. have it. So, Oh, oh yeah. I, I was uh, 92 to 96. It was uh, the beginning of the Logan era uh, football yeah. from a coaching perspective. Yeah, and it was, was, right after. it was rolling on when I was uh, there and uh, yeah. right before uh, it all kind of ended. The uh, – as we often say, Matt, thank goodness there was no social media in the 90s because uh, it was <laughs> a different world at ECU way back when. And, and uh... No comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, so you're on the, uh, now on the board of directors of Team Boneyard, so thank you for your uh, willingness to commit to that. What prompted you to get involved uh, with, with Team Boneyard? Well, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've been a supporter of uh, kind of across the university, whether it's been academics or athletics. And I've kind of followed um, what's been going on with with athletics, in particular with NIL, over the last couple of years, and I just continue to have conversations uh, with the team that was that's running it. Um, and an opportunity came of look, we need some people to try to, to get our get our hands dirty and then really try to figure out how we solve this. Uh, this it's a disruptor, right? Uh, in the way we fund college athletics, and how do we solve this uh, disruptor for ECU? Because um, I look at the, I, I look at athletics, and I, I'm like it's the front porch of our university, right? Uh, it, it's the it's the opportunity where we uh, show our brand, we show our, our teams, our field, our, our university gets featured, you know, 12 weeks a year, um, you know, pretty much on ESPN or CBS network, and then you know between basketball and baseball, um, it, it's just you know that's what people see uh, the, the most. And I, I moved here uh, recently from New Jersey, and you think about you know I didn't have the ability to, to drive over uh, to Dowdy Pickens Stadium and just see it, right? I, I, I would see it on television unless I visited, right? And so just when, when you think about what we market and what we show, 
that's one of the things we, we have here. And so we want success on the athletic field, on all of our athletic fields, um, because it, it, it does impact not just athletics, it impacts Greenville, it impacts the people that attend. Um, and, and it impacts, you know, at the end of the day, our, our, our upcoming customers, that have, you know, that are our students, right? You know, when, when, when that's successful, applications go on the rise, right? We, we attract, you know, a larger student body. Uh, it does all the things that you want to do, and that feeds back into the economy. So I, I kind of view this as a, as a new prong with a fork, um, and I kind of like working on problems and finding solutions. And so here I am. <laughs> That's how I got there. <laughs> well, it's awesome that you uh, have, uh, have have wanted to take this on. And look, I, I think we all know it, it. people may not like where NIL is headed. It's going nowhere. Uh, it is, you know, it's a Supreme court deal. So we're, we're stuck with it for, for better or for worse. And yep. I, I think there's, you know, when, when you look at where we compare to the rest of the league, let's not, you know, never mind in state or, or ACC, but I mean, just where we compare to the rest of the league, the NIL for ECU is really, really lacking. You know, there's a million reasons why people say they don't want to, be a part of the Team Boneyard initiative or, or contribute to NIL. But I think they are slowly coming around to realizing that it's part of it's part of college athletics that's here to stay, and, and you have to be competitive in that if you want to be competitive on the field or on the court. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is about recruitment and retention of student-athletes. Um, and, and the game's changed, to your point, right? I mean, like, you know, like it, love it, hate it. Um, we, it's a disruptor in the way, uh, that college athletics is being funded and what it takes to operate and have success on the field. And so, I mean, I kind of think, you know, you think about like, what's the prongs of the fork, right? We have to have good coaches. You have to have good facilities. Um, we have to have good fundraising and now fundraising includes, you know, not just scholarship and, and funding of facilities, but it includes NIL. And so I think when you look at like, if we're, if you're going to support it, you have to, you know, get yourself to that point where you're like, I understand. I may not like it, but I understand why I have to do it because the rules have changed. I mean, this is kind of the, uh, the NIL is kind of the Steve Jobs, you know, oh, one more thing, here's the iPhone uh, right. kind of thing, you know? I mean, like, yeah. boom. Like, yeah, but that really is, right? It just changed everything uh, when, when it comes to recruitment and reten- retention of athletes, so of student athletes. Well, Matt, what would be, you know, if someone is interested in trying to find out how they could get involved, if uh, someone is maybe, you know, has some questions uh, that wants to learn, I mean, what would be sort of the, you know, maybe long elevator speech you would you would give them? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's you can, there's a lot of places you can look at it. You can go, I mean, obviously teamboneyard.org has a lot, but I mean, I think we're also trying to do more information sessions. We're also, we re, I think we realized as a board that we have to continue to provide um, some of the educational parts, right? Of just explaining why it matters and, and how the landscape has changed. Um, I, you know, I'm, it's just, it's like marketing, right? You kind of have to have the message has to get repeated a few times. Um, Cause it, this isn't like a slow change. That's the, that's the other right, challenge. Right. This is a, this is a light switch. And so I think the, you know, the, the absorption and adaption rate, uh, just, it takes longer. And so, um, 
I think that's part of the process. And we also have to be able to communicate, you know, clearly this is when you do invest in IL, this is how the funds are being spent, right? And so um, I think there has to be, a, you know, a, a good understanding that it, the investment is being used wisely. It isn't being wasted. Um, and then, you know, we also I like, you know, when, when, if you're thinking about making that investment, you have to think about, you know, is it personal investment? Or, you know, if you own a business, can you, can you think about this as a marketing, you know, portion right. of your, or your business, right? I mean, cause that's really what it is, right? Name, image, and likeness. So can I, you, you, you now have the opportunity to use our student athletes in, in a campaign if they agree to it, right? So that, that's also a, you know, a very different, uh, opportunity. We've already had a few businesses that have done that. Um, and then I think there's this, you know, another way that we are going to be able to do this over time is when we find businesses that want to partner with us on whether it's, you know, uh, something we sell, something that has merchandise, something that has our name on it, um, or, or something where you're, you're willing to share, uh, you know, in, in the sale of a product, uh, where something goes back, right? So it's a reinvestment. Um, so we, we as a, we as a group, I, I think, uh, as, on the board have to also kind of be creative and think about how do you develop revenue streams that are renewable, right? Cause this is, this isn't something that goes away next year. This is, this is a renewable constant part of the funding prong that's going to go into to college athletics going forward. And I don't see that changing. Um, you, you have to, you have to go reverse <laughs> Supreme court judgment, as you said, <laughs> right. To make that change. So, I don't see that change coming. So we have to adapt um, and get creative and not all of it's going to work. Right. But you kind of have to skin your knees a few times to figure out what, what, what parts are doing don't work. We're talking to uh, Matt Slate, part of uh, the uh, board for Team Boneyard. Also, uh, he's board of directors for uh, the ECU Foundation. So Matt uh, is really involved and invested in East Carolina and Pirate Athletics. Matt, uh, as far as, you know, opportunities that, maybe Team Boneyard uh, conceptually is, are working on or, uh, you know, possible areas to explore that have not been explored specifically. You did mention the marketing component of uh, of a team. But when, when you look at that, how is, how, how is this, you know, it's, it's a lot of brainstorming, a lot of trial and error almost in some ways. Oh, it totally is. I mean, I've, I've tried, you know, I'm, my, my, you know, my eyes are kind of new to this and, and, and been doing a lot of research and looking at it. And, I mean, you see there's this, all of a sudden, it's also opened the doors, not just to the collectives, but it's opened the door to agents. It's opened the door to um, kind of marketing, you know, regular agents and the concept that they're representing an athlete, but there are also marketing agents that are out there uh, doing national campaigns and things like that. So you've got to, um, we've got to not only identify you know, our donors um, that care and want to support, but we also have to try to find those other opportunities where we want to see our, our athletes featured, right. In, in national campaigns that they may be doing, you know, could be doing across the country. I can envision a point where, you know, a national sponsor that could be a sponsor at ECU as well wants to have something on NCAPs, right. And they want to have local athletes, right. Well, we need to make sure that we have our athletes, uh, you know, at the table to, to see that. So um, it's, a, it's a bigger, bigger puzzle to solve. Um, and 
uh, you know, it, it really is going to take some creativity and it's going to take, you know, you know, people accepting change. And, and like your point, it's not all going to work, but we have to find, you know, also those right partners that are, that are going to help the student athletes. Um, it's pretty amazing when you kind of, it's, it is a rabbit hole of, of you go down when you start looking at what everyone is doing and everyone is doing something different. Um, so you can tell that no one knows exactly what's going to work and a lot of stuff's getting thrown against the wall right now. Um, but I do know that, you know, within Greenville, there is, there is a strong, you know, level of support in the community and we have to, you know, be able to partner, I think, within the community first and then start to look outside of that. Um, it's kind of the way I think about it. Absolutely. Matt, uh, you've spent a, a, uh, a professional career in finance in, in the big apple. So you've seen quite a lot. Um, <laughs> so w- when you come into this, I know you've, you said you've done a lot of research to just take us through that, uh, you know, that, that, that journey, as far as once you got involved, what were some of the first things you tackled and what are maybe some other or where are some other NILs you're looking at that, that might have some, some things that would be comparable to Greenville? Yeah, you know, well, I, I look at you know, some of our conference, and our conference is changing some, right? We, we're, we have really, you know, our conference lost some of the bigger NSAs uh, in this last round of, of, um, of conference development. And I think, um, so I think we do have a conference now that has, a, you know, a little bit closer feel, right, to, to what we are in Greenville. Um, but I, I've taken it. I've taken the chance of, of looking, you know, at even the large SEC all the way down to what's going on in Conference USA uh, type of schools. Because and the one thing I can, you know, the similarity, similar thing is similar. There is there is this subscription model with donors uh, that pretty much I see across the board. Um, what I see that's different is the level of affiliation uh, with businesses, right? So. You know, when I say affiliation, you know, you think about some of the things that go on. You know, when you're at the ECU Stadium or you're calling the basketball game, right? You look up and you see those the advertisers that are on the wall. You're like, well, that's the official provider of of X, Y, and Z, right? Well, that opportunity exists also for Team Boneyard, right? And so we have to also think about how we can create, you know, a portal of marketing. For that, I think, right? That's a longer term, you know, thing to solve, but how, you know, how do, how do we create benefits where a company will say, Hey, you know, it is beneficial to, you know, work with this athlete. You know, I want to work with this athlete individually, or I want to work with the collective. But if we are going to be the collective, we have to kind of think about how, uh, we can do some of those things too. I don't have the answer yet, but when you stand back and you look at what some of the other, uh, some of the other, you know, peers, I'd say, just from a benchmarking perspective, are doing. You, you do see some of that, um, and like I said, it's it's about getting, you know, multiple kind of, you know, revenue streams into right. this. So right. it's not the constant, hey, you know, you know, I know, I know, you give fifty dollars a month, but I really need to give you a hundred, right? Because you you do hit a point of resistance with donors, and there, there's obviously, I think, right now. NIL probably has the opportunity to, you know, grow from a donor perspective at a much higher rate, but that, that, that increasing rate will become increasing at a decreasing level to a level and all, right? There is a, you, you're not going to be able to have, you know, a, a, you know, straight up growth curve over, over a long period of time. It does level off. So you have to start to be creative about what are the other revenue streams we can start to bring in. Matt, this has uh, been a really, uh, I think, enlightening conversation for 
those that are listening, and, and it certainly has been interesting for me to 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 hear. And I feel your uh, expertise and perspective uh, will will only help the uh, collective that much more. So wonderful to talk to you. Anytime uh, you need to to update or anybody on the board does, please come to us uh, here. We're happy to to get the word out and uh, thank you. And uh, we'll we'll see you very soon. Absolutely, I appreciate everything, Patrick. Thank you. More on ECU's NIL initiative, teamboneyard.org. We continue on on the Get You to the Weekend edition of the PJ Show. Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. The Pirates will be back in action tomorrow as they take on FAU. And Coach Houston talked about this year's freshman class. It's going to take a couple of years for you to truly see everything. But, you know, you, you look at the class as a whole and you just really like that class. Um, and you can't wait to get them to the winter and winter workouts and get them into the weight room and put on the strength and size. and. You know, I wish some of those linemen, I wish we could, you know, speed grow them real fast and give them experience real fast, but, you know, it takes time to develop them. Uh, but uh, very happy with that class. Last night, the women's basketball team improved to 2-0 and with a 105-35 victory over South Carolina Upstate. Amaya Joyner led all scores with 18 points. The Panthers fell to the Bears 16-13 last night. They will look to get healthy over their mini buys. They host Dallas next week. They were missing some key parts, including LaVisha Chenault, DJ Chark, and Brian Burns. The Canes are coming off a win in overtime over the Sabres. They will look to build on that tonight as they travel down to Florida to take on the Panthers. And tonight, right here at the top of the hour, 94.3 The Game, Rose will travel to North Brunswick, and our sister station, Oldies 94.1, Havelock will take on Cape Fear. That'll do it for your sports update and pirate report. I'm Philip Pilkington. Oh, he's a man with uh, his fingers in all kinds of pies, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Brian Mull with us uh, here with college basketball's return. So we uh, talked to Brian about uh, college hoop and uh, golf, of course. And uh, we've got uh, Brian here with us today. We'll probably talk to him uh, Thursdays, but it'll be in this Thursday-Friday range is when we'll be talking to him uh, each week. Hey, Brian, great to talk to you. By the way, kids, follow him on the X at BG Mull. Uh We've just got going in college basketball, and uh, boy, tonight, really today, uh, happening now and uh, through tonight, we've had some some pretty interesting games being played. But uh, hello to you first, and, and give us kind of the overall thought after uh, the first few days of opening week. Hey, man, always great to talk hoops. Uh, looking forward to a... Exciting season. I know there is quite a bit of excitement there in Greenville, as there should be. Uh, yeah, we, we haven't had a lot of marquee matchups. Of course, that changes today and tonight and as we get into next week, of course. But, uh, you know, a lot of the usual suspects are lingering ar around the top and should be considered the favorites to win the national championship. Uh, you know, Purdue, very good team again. Houston, Kansas. Arizona, I don't, uh, you know, UConn has a realistic uh, opportunity to go back to back. Um, 
and, and certainly a little closer to home, the Duke Blue Devils look like the strongest candidate out of the ACC. Well, let's uh, start with some games that are uh, being played uh, right now or tonight. And uh, you mentioned Duke. So Duke in Arizona, real interesting early test in Durham. You'll hear that on our sister station, uh, Talk 1037 WTIB, uh, the pregame going on right now, the tip at 7 o'clock. And uh, that's that's a, that's a March-like matchup in November. Yeah, great series there that um... – you know, John, John Shire and Tommy Lloyd, uh, you know, Tommy Lloyd, longtime Gonzaga assistant before he took over at Arizona. So I'm sure he and John crossed paths many times on the recruiting trail and, uh, for them to put together this home and home series, um, going over the next few years, starting in Durham, I think it's great for both programs. It's great for college basketball because frankly, we do have so many matchups that are just not very interesting in the first few weeks of the season. And uh, these are both teams that are going to find out a lot about themselves and for Arizona, an opportunity to play in a hostile environment. And uh, I believe the first time they've ever been to Cameron. And of course, there's a familiar face on the roster and in the backcourt there and Caleb Love, who's had some pretty big games in that building. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how that worked <laughs> out, uh, isn't it? Caleb Love makes his return to the triangle. What about uh, this matchup and uh, maybe this Duke team? are you uh, most interested in seeing play out tonight and, and over the next few weeks? I'll be interested in the pace of this game. Uh, Arizona likes to go a hundred miles an hour. Their bigs can run the floor as well as anybody. Uh, it's a lot of what, you know, we've seen at Gonzaga. Uh, Tommy Lloyd brought those principles over with him and has recruited at a very high level. And so it'll be interesting to see if Duke plays along, if you will. I mean, John Shire all through the preseason and, and the little bit that we've seen, certainly this is a more of a, a perimeter oriented team. Uh, possibly even playing four guards around one big man at, at times, but but always having guys who can initiate the break and handle the ball on the court and much more shooting than than recent Duke teams. So it, it would behoove them, you would think, to to you know play at an up tempo pace. So we could be we could be in for a you know a high scoring um, you know very very uh, exciting type of game to watch. Uh, so so I'll be keeping an eye on that, and then certainly just. Uh, you know, this is the first time the, the Duke freshmen, uh, in particular McCain and, and Foster, who, who are going to play a huge role, uh, first time in the limelight for them and, and, and see how they handle that. Brian Mull, uh, we're talking college hoops, uh, big weekend, including uh, Campbell at ECU. Get his take on that coming up here in just a, a little bit. Uh, in this state, there's also some other exciting games and interesting games going on. There's that triple header that ECU participated in a few years ago that they now put on in the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, uh, playing right now, wrapping up Charlotte and Liberty, but uh, some good matchups out in the Queen City. Yeah, good regional event there. They've attracted a nice mixture of mid-majors and uh, ACC, SEC schools of Virginia, Florida, coming up uh, a little bit later on, and then the uh, the nightcap there is uh, – Virginia Tech and South Carolina, Mike Young looking to bounce back after a disappointing season and uh, certainly would imagine he would do so. South Carolina kind of in a year or two under Lamont Paris trying to get it going. Uh, it's always been a difficult place to sustain any type of success. So, uh, not, you know, good opportunity for these coaches to, to assess their team against a like opponent, figure out what works, uh, you know, which combinations, um, you know, which players they can count on as they start to, uh, you know, just kind of develop their team 
as we've seen all across college basketball, you know, a, a lot of new faces, a lot of new rotations, uh, a lot of uh, adjustments, and uh, co- coaches trying to just get a firm grasp on uh, what their newcomers can do. The game for Lefty Drizel, Maryland at Davidson, is going on out in Asheville. And then uh, later on tonight, you got Clemson and UAB out of the American also playing at the uh, Harrah's Cherokee Center. Yeah, I'm pretty intrigued by this Clemson team. Brad Brownell, of course, longtime coach there with some ties to, to North Carolina, having having spent four four years as a head coach and several others as an assistant at UNC Wilmington. And, um, you know, mixed results for Brad. Uh, uh, he's... <laughs> He's always lived on the bubble, been to the tournament three times, one appearance in the Sweet 16. But I, I like this team. Uh, they do lose a little bit from last year. But um, when you look at a guy like P.J. Hall and uh, certainly bringing in Joe Girard, uh, who's in his – has to be his 15th year of college basketball, um, <laughs> kind of coming down from Syracuse. I mean, you're talking about uh, just a, a knockdown shooter. Uh, so I, I think this Clemson team is one to keep an eye on um, that could get into the mix in the top tier of, of the ACC. We're talking uh, college basketball here this afternoon with Brian Mull. He's been good enough to uh, join us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. At BG Mull, he's where you can follow him on uh, Twitter and uh, keep up with uh, observations all season long uh, during uh, the college basketball season. All right, uh, Brian, um, tomorrow... Williams Arena, Minji's Coliseum. It is uh, the Camel, Campbell Camels taking on the ECU Pirates. Looking forward to that tomorrow at 2 on ESPN+. And, uh, of course, you can listen to that game right here on 94.3, the game starting at 1.30. So, Brian, uh, Pirates, you know, I don't know what you could tell against Ferrum the other night. The, the thing I think is most frustrating for the, the brain trust for the East Carolina team is the fact that East Carolina did not uh, play really great defense against Ferrum. And I, and I know it can be tough for some of those bigger guys to stick with some smaller, quicker type of guys that, you know, literally a roster for a D3 team. Uh, Pirates got to the result I think we all thought. It's just how they got there that uh, maybe was, uh, I don't want to say a letdown, but just a little curious to, to how they ended up pushing it out and winning by 30. Um but I know the coach is not happy. They thought there was too much. Let's play defense long enough so I can get out and run on offense. Yeah, it's a perfect scenario for Mike Schwartz. I bet he's uh, he's been in heaven these last few days in practice because he's got all kinds of film to show these guys and all kinds of things to clean up and probably has their full attention, certainly as you, as you allude to. The result of a game like that is kind of known before you tip off, but you're trying to build good habits. And with Mike Schwartz, what he proved in year one in Greenville is that it's going to start on the defensive end. Then bringing in a guy like Mark Adams for his staff is just reinforces that. And, uh, you know, they have an opportunity here with this early season schedule with a nice stretch of games at home, games they'll be favored in, that they can they can work some things out and they can really become who they want to be on the defensive end of the court. I think this is uh, an ECU team that's going to be able to score the ball fairly easily at times, uh, you know, and I think they'll be able to create offense off of their defense. But certainly when you look at the development of guys like Brandon Johnson and um, – you know, with Pettiford coming into the mix, R.J. Felton, I think, is, is could it could break out even more. And then Ezra Sar is, is in my opinion, uh, a first-team All-American 
caliber player uh he's gonna have to produce but i think he has the ability to to earn his way onto the onto that team so i think offense will be fine and and they probably know that and uh, they're going to hear a lot about defense through the month of november not that they haven't already brian uh from the campbell perspective uh big turnover in their roster but uh they've got some younger guys who are a year older now in the program uh heavy european or at least heavy foreign influence on their uh, roster and they do, you know, they run a style that uh, can be problematic. You can get backdoored on it, but uh, they can spread you out. Seems like there's going to be a lot more space for this team if they're running things right offensively. And then uh, can they muddy it enough up on defense? And uh, can and they, they just say they want to run a little more. So let's see how all that plays out. But uh, give us the book from your perspective on the Camels. Yeah, they're going to struggle to defend. Uh, they started a super small lineup in their opener with, uh, you know, a couple six five and six six guys in the in the front court. I will say uh, number thirty for Campbell, Anthony Del Orso. He was the rookie of the year in the Big South last season. He's an Australian. Um, he uh, was a great find for Kevin McGeehan there at Campbell and then uh, even uh, greater to be able to hang on to him because I'm certain he had options. But this this guy really knows how to play basketball. He uh, He's super skilled. He's athletic. He's fearless finisher around the rim. And he's the kind of guy who uh, not only produces but makes his teammates better. I just uh, This is a difficult season for Campbell having lost four impact players off of a team that went to the Big South title game. Uh, some of whom have, uh, I mean, one of them starting at San Diego State, Jay Powell, another transferred to Missouri. So, uh, you know, these were high caliber players. And, um, you know, they're making the adjustment up in conference from the Big South to the CAA. And uh, it, with this lack of size, it's just going to be a challenge for them to, on the defensive end of the court. Brian, uh, really quick, we don't see the Tar Heels again until – uh, Sunday when they play Lehigh, the we can talk all we want about the newcomers, the transfers, uh, what they have coming back, but uh, there still seems to be a lot of proving ground that needs to, to happen after the way that Radford was able to play them so tough. Yeah, I wasn't very impressed with uh, Carolina's defense, their ability to keep uh, the ball handlers from Radford out of the lane. Um, and certainly they gave up a few offensive rebounds as well, which I know has to be frustrating for Hubert. Um, you know, they have a couple of games here that they're going to win at home that they can, they can kind of iron some of these kinks out, but that'll be, uh, that'll be something that I'll be keeping an eye on with them as they start to get in the meat of what's a pretty difficult non-conference schedule starting later in the month. Like, can they, can they keep these the, the guards from, from these high major top 20 programs out of the lane? And then can they clean up the defensive glass uh, consistently? Because uh, that's certainly rebounding has certainly been a hallmark of the Carolina program through the years. And, uh, you know, there's a, you know, again, new team. First time they played a game together. So uh, you expect some bumps in the road. But uh, I know the defensive end of the court is, uh, and I think they do have more shooting, though, which was certainly a, a huge weakness for them last year. Hey, Brian, thanks for the time, and uh, enjoy the Hoops weekend. Okay, Patrick. Uh, thanks a lot. Everybody have a great weekend. Back to wrap it up right after this.
J.H. Rose of the second round of the playoffs coming up in just a few minutes. We'll get you out to Brunswick County for that game. Rose at North Brunswick. On Oldies 94-1 and 102-7 here in Greenville, you can listen to Trevor Donnell's call of 11-0 Havelock playing host to a very tough Cape Fear Colts team. Should be a good one tonight, and that starts at the top of the hour as well. Our coverage of ECU begins tomorrow, 11.30 here on 94.3 The Game with the Bush Light Pirate Game Day Countdown. Hope you'll tune in. Scott Rogers, Terrence Copper will be getting you ready for ECU and FAU. Then at 1.30, it'll be the pregame show for Pirate Basketball on the ECU Sports Radio Network right here as ECU plays host to Campbell, Darren Vaught, and Coach Mike Perry on the call. Cy Seymour and I will be on the TV side ESPN Plus at 2 o'clock. Hope you'll tune in. Then coming up on... Our statewide group of stations and 107.9 WNCT 3 o'clock pregame show with a 4.02 kick for East Carolina at Florida Atlantic. 94.3 the game after the basketball postgame will be joining football in progress. So a full sports day tomorrow. If you're looking for some hoops action tonight, Duke basketball on our sister station, Talk 103.7 WTIB taking on Arizona. That's also coming up at the top of the hour. Big time early season matchup there. North Carolina can be heard on Oldies 94-1 on Sunday as they play Lehigh. Thanks to Matt Slate. Thanks to Brian Mall, Also, Philip the Rep Pilkington. And thanks to you most of all. Another great week. You could go back and uh, relive the magic of our uh, programming, including our show with John Feinstein yesterday. A lot of great reaction to that. Just go to the IBX media app on Google or Apple. Otherwise, have a great and safe weekend, and we'll catch you Monday on the radio side and tomorrow on ESPN+.